Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietrich. Sal, how are you tonight? Ed, doing well, my man. Look, the, the holidays are here. They're upon us. The tree's up in the Dietrich house. It's a time to give thanks, but it's also a time to count our blessings and to think about those who literally are living on the streets of Arlington. Tonight, again, we focus on the homeless. Tune in, listeners, and see how you can learn about volunteering with a group called A-SPAN that we're going to talk about tonight. We're joined by the Arlington Street People Assistant Network, A-SPAN. We're here with Scott Miller, Senior Director of Development, and Amanda Holler, the Manager of Volunteer Programs. Amanda's looking for a few good volunteers tonight. A-SPAN's vision is to end homelessness here in Arlington County. And believe it or not, we have uh, homelessness here, even in affluent Arlington County, Virginia. A-SPAN's mission is to secure permanent housing, provide life-sustaining services for Arlington's most vulnerable individuals through outreach and relationships that they build on trust and rapport. This is a first-class organization recognized by the Washington Post for their leadership in execution and also by the Center for Nonprofit Advancement. Uh, think about the numbers uh, when we talk about ASPAN, 50,000 meals annually to the poor, uh, sheltered over uh, 400 people uh, last year alone, enabling over 300 medical visits uh, for those in need, and we'll talk about that more. Uh, sort of the crown jewel, uh, something that, that we're proud of here in Arlington County is the Homeless Service Center. It's a dynamic place where people can volunteer in many ways to help the homeless. It's a first of kind here in the United States. It's a role model that other communities are coming to Arlington to see how, how we're doing it. Uh, you know, Amanda and Scott, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you for sharing some time with us this evening. Thank you, Sal. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Tell us a little bit, uh, you know, this show is about getting people to find their higher purpose, to get involved uh, in the D.C. area. Uh, you know, tell us, how did you both come to uh, to get involved with ASPAN? A okay, I'll, I'll kick this off. I'll volunteer. I'm a bit unique for Washington. I'm a native Washingtonian. I've lived here my entire life. I grew up in Montgomery County. I've spent most of my early years uh, in uh, Montgomery County moved to Virginia in 1996, uh, and you know what drew me to, to ASPAN? You know, I, I feel like I really left one business to join another. M- most of my career, I've found myself kind of going back and forth between the nonprofit and the for-profit sector. My last position was in business development with a local commercial bank, and my focus really was uh, business development building relationships, bringing in those resources and dollars to the organization, which was the bank. And those resources really went back to the shareholders. When I transitioned from that position to the senior director of development at ASPAN, I really found my folks to be very similar. I focus on business development and building relationships and bringing those resources and dollars to the organization, which is ASPAN. And what's really neat is then those resources stay in my community. I've been a big live, work, play Arlington fan for some years, and I've just really found the the synergy on the partnerships that are somewhat unique, uh, but uh, I think well understood here in Arlington have really allowed me really to transition smoothly from uh, a career in the for-profit world uh, now into a a career in the not-for-profit world that is yet just one more business. And Amanda, how did you come to work for ASPAN? 
Uh, yeah, so I used to be a restaurant manager, um, lived in the D.C., Arlington area for about five years now. And, you know, it was long hours at the restaurant. It was hard work um, and just not super fulfilling work. Uh, so I kind of found, you know, what what kind of job is it that I'm looking for to, to make me really feel happy in my position and in my career and and I started looking into the into the nonprofit sector and found ASPAN and it's great to work for an organization where uh, you can really see what you're working towards for example when we have move-in days when we move um, a client who was formerly homeless uh, now into their own apartment and you kind of get to see that full circle result um, it's very fulfilling Good for you. It's interesting. There's a, a book by a gentleman named Clay Christensen, who is uh, one of the most famous people in terms of Silicon Valley's development. And he says that the graduating class of Harvard University really has no idea what they're meant to do in life. And uh, it's a book called How Will Your Life Be Measured, where he survived cancer and came to to write this book, encouraging people to ask themselves, you know, are, are you truly happy? What will make you happy? And it sounds like, Amanda, you, you found that at, at an early age. That's great. Well, I, I would say both of you, correct? Uh, at an early age, no, I would not agree. <laughs> well, <laughs> now. <laughs> well, Scott seems pretty happy. <laughs> so let's turn and talk a little bit about your clients, the people that you serve. Um, tell us about the typical people who, who you work with and, and how you help them out. Well, I'll volunteer. Uh, the, uh, the typical client, there's not one. Uh, our clients that we work with, uh, both sheltered and are in permanent supportive housing uh, today, they look like Arlington County population as a whole. Uh, they're young, they're old, they're African-American, they're white, they're uh, women, they're men, they're civilians, they're, they're vets, they're gay, they're straight. Uh, Arlington County is a very diverse community, and that population that we see at the Homeless Service Center every day really reflects that diversity, uh, just like Arlington as community is. Yeah, and uh, on your website, Amanda, maybe this is for you, there's a story about a, a young lady named Cassandra who uh, battled depression her whole life, was a college graduate, and uh, through her struggles came to, I believe, be homeless and be supported by Ace Band. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little about, uh, that's an example of someone who may, may be considered atypical for what uh, listeners might think of as, your, as an Ace Band client? Yeah, exactly. A lot of the people that we work with, you know, are high school and some even college grads and, you know, a, a mental break, a bout of depression, some sort of um, large life event, sometimes we call it, uh, led to something that leads them to the situation of homelessness. And that's what happened to Cassandra. And she came to Ace Band and we started working with her and you know, she, she didn't have too much to overcome in her process to get into housing, and she's now in our permanent supportive housing program. She teaches fitness classes. You know, she's got kind of her own little business going, and, and she's very successful now. That's great. I often say, you know, look inside your medicine cabinet, and if you had to go without those medicines for two months, you might find yourself on the streets of Arlington County. I mean, blood pressure medicines, uh, health medicines, sometimes mental health medicines. You go without that for two months, uh, you know, you're gonna find yourself in a situation where you may be out of work, uh, you may not be able to get to uh, things you need, and you may need the help of, of a group like ASPAN. So, you know, we're all of us are not too far away. We live in our comfort zone, but really, as you say, these folks are not, not much different than we are. And uh, let me volunteer this, Sal. I, going to work uh, in Arlington, I see clients walk down the sidewalk, on the bus, in the library, in the grocery store, and uh, Target that I know are clients of ours, and I bet a lot of these listeners walk past these people every day on the sidewalk 
and don't even realize that they may not have a home to go to that night. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Most of the people, we've had a, a number of guests. It's a recurring theme to talk about homelessness on the show. And uh, you're sort of dispelling the same myth that everyone that comes on dispels. And it's just these people are just like us, and they come from all walks of life. Um, are there any other things that you'd like to share with the listeners about the homeless you'd like them to know or anything else you'd like to address? All volunteer in Arlington, there is kind of not, quote unquote, the the typical face of homelessness. Uh, often people in their mind have a perceived perception of what they envision that homeless individual might look like. And uh, be be assured, it, it often does not look like uh, what that picture in your mind is. And it may often be a woman. Uh, it might often be a, a white younger woman who graduated from Yorktown High School. Uh, I, I think in sh- having our clients share their stories with Amanda and I, we would both agree that everyone has a very different story. Everyone fell into this, what we hope, temporary period of homelessness from a variety of factors. Uh, and the only similarity in all their stories is really, I never thought it would happen to me. I just never thought it would happen to me. No one grows up aspiring to be homeless. Yeah. You yep. know, the client who's in our shelter tonight having dinner right now was someone's cute little eight-year-old kid running around the backyard uh, in uh, South Arlington, North Arlington somewhere. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the myth of who are the homeless in Arlington, I'll walk down the street, open up your eyes, and just look around. A lot of those folks you see in a store or a church or a library are indeed the street or sheltered homeless in Arlington. So, so tell us how when you and how do you find these people so that you can serve them and help them, and what's the process of you sort of onboarding them, bringing them in, and helping them out? So, a lot of times, the first point of contact is with our outreach team, uh, and their job is really to be out in the streets, on the streets, looking for people who are homeless, who are in need, um, whether they're just driving around, kind of checking things out for the day, or if they're at you know our homeless bag meal program which is in Virginia Square, or um, we do a Friday breakfast program at Central United Methodist Church. We have a Roslyn case manager. Um, so, you know, they're usually the first point of contact for people. And it, it might be as simple as starting out with giving them a bottle of water or a, a bagged lunch or something. Um, it's really just about those touch points, how, however small they may be, and really starting to build trust with that person. Let them know, like, you know, we really are here to help you and try to get them into the Homeless Services Center because once we get them in there, that's really where the process can start to try to get them into housing and try to get them all the help that they need. And, and what does that process look like? Uh, so, you know, first you have to do an intake, get as much information from them as you can and kind of find out what their barriers are, what they're struggling with, um, you know, if they're if they can stay at the shelter and then try to move through the process of getting housing, um, you know, making sure they have all the documentation and everything that they need. Um, Scott, can you think of anything else? Well, in Arlington, it really works uh, through DHS, ideally, is that uh, that referral comes from a social worker at DHS who is really triaging that individual in front of them. Uh, and that client ultimately then is being referred from DHS uh, to the nonprofit of need. They might be being referred to AFAC for food insecurity or doorways for domestic violence issues. They're coming to ASPAN uh, as an adult homeless individual with a connection to Arlington. And that's really how it is intended 
to work and that how it works very well now that said if it's a saturday night and it's snowing and it's you know 11 o'clock at night do we turn anyone away who shows up at the front door no absolutely not uh, we we get them in uh, we do an intake we have them sit with a case manager or social worker find out what their situation is they spend the night with us then we're going to try to get them to dhs uh, very soon so they can do an intake and refer them back out yeah no uh, on the website uh, scott you know you, you refer to a survey where uh, it says, you know, people who are homeless often face a triple threat. They, they may have mental issues, medical issues, and substance abuse issues. And when you and I met, you talked about how stable housing is really the first first thing in combating those three. Um, talk a little bit more about that. You, you had an interesting comment. You said, you know, uh, it can take uh, folks who come to Ace Band an entire day to do what you and I do by 8, 8 a.m. And we take for granted so many things. Just you know, waking up in, in a bed after a good night's sleep, uh, finding our clothes right there, uh, finding food in the refrigerator, finding our transportation sitting out there with the key ready to go. I mean, uh, talk a little bit about how that sort of housing first approach enables you to start uh, tearing down these other issues that people have. Well, housing first is an approach that Arlington County and ASPAN has uh, embraced over the past couple of years, and it's a, a newer approach nationwide, but still kind of gaining traction. We found that housing first, the, the model of housing first, is what has been critical to our success at ASPAN, and that is getting people off the street and into homes of their own uh, so that they can then get reconnected to life and to family and to jobs and lead a productive life. Housing first kind of sounds wonky. It, it kind of simply put, it's really just the process of moving the individual from homelessness into an apartment. It's getting them off the street in an apartment of their own. It's really just an approach based on the concept that that individual's first and primary need is housing. And once they get into housing, one, they're not homeless anymore, but two, all the other challenges or barriers that might be around them, like emotional, physical, substance abuse issues, uh, we can deal with them once you have the stability of a bed to wake up to in the morning. Uh, you mentioned you know, what it takes you and I to accomplish by 8.30 in the morning takes most of our clients to accomplish all day long. Right, and the caseworker is the one thing that really uh, when I came and visited with you folks at the uh, the service center, how important that person is in terms of trying to help uh, reestablish connections with family. Because, you know, when, when Kathy and I talked, Kathy Siebert, she said, you know, what we're really talking about is poverty here. And we have to start breaking that cycle, and that comes through, you know, a network. And that network includes trying to rebuild relationships that are obviously are broken with family members so that long term there's a network there there's a caring loving organization there who's helping this person move through these stages to independence yeah the the case managers are so important um in our permanent supportive housing program once we move somebody into an apartment you know we don't just hand over the keys and say all right good luck you know that case manager sticks with them um to provide all kinds of support you know if they do want to reconnect with family or, you know, just making sure that they are keeping appointments that they have, making sure that they're successful in their job if they're working, uh, making sure they're understanding bills that are coming in and, and all sorts of things like that. I'm thinking of a, a specific client that we spoke with about a year ago. Um, she had just moved in and she said, you know, her case manager helped her get back in touch with her family who had 
you know, all but given up on her when she was kind of involved in drugs and just, you know, what wasn't really herself. So once she got better, she was going to drug court. She got housed. Um, her case manager helped her reconnect, and she had a big housewarming party. They brought her, you know, crock pots and things for her new home, and they had this big party, and and it was a, a nice little reunion for her. That's huge in terms of just building someone's self-esteem and building them back. You know, Ed, it's funny. Uh, so far, uh, Scott and, and Amanda have given two shout-outs to two of our favorite guests, AFAC and our good friend, Pastor Sarah McQueen at Central United <laughs> Methodist. So. Yeah, I do want to drill down a little bit more on this, this uh, notion of the importance of family. A um, couple things. One is, uh, have you guys heard of miracle messages? Miracle messages? I have not. Amanda, have no. you? Okay, my, my daughter is a prolific Facebook poster. I, I think sometimes she should do less Facebook posting and more studying. More studying, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> but she sent me, she posted on Facebook this video about this group called Miracle Messages, and they go out and they film homeless people. They film messages, and they put them back into contact with their families. And the statistics I, I are pretty extreme, how they reunite people with their families and how that is an absolute critical thing to getting people off the streets. And it reminds me of what Jason Hershey said when he was in here. He said that he wrote a book uh, called David's Tent, and in it he said that homelessness is not necessarily an issue of poverty, it's an issue of relationship and caring. And that, you know, finding, reconnecting with people who care enough for you to, to help you to get off the streets and to do the things you need to do to, to rebuild your life. So with all that said, I was curious, do you see it? that important you see that you know when you reconnect people with families do they really contribute that well uh, to to helping people rebuild their lives no they absolutely do i mean that is the critical next step uh, until that happens we really are their family uh, ASPAN is their case managers their permanent supportive housing case worker they are their family these clients once they become to the point where you're on the street homeless or maybe in our shelter, you've kind of burnt every bridge, every relationship you've had. You've lied, you've potentially stolen. Uh, people have given you second chances, third chances, fourth chances. They've they've given up on you, not almost gave up on you. You're out of their life. And so it takes a lot to rebuild that. And that housing first model to get someone into a home of their own, proud of what they have around them. Uh, we get a lot of donated uh, home furnishings to make sure that, you know, simple one-bedroom apartment starts to feel like a home. And then we get them reconnected with their family, their siblings. The uh, woman that Amanda made mention of, uh, Miss Tyron, uh, her sister only lived in Baltimore. That's not very far. Uh, Tyron lived uh, not too far from this radio station, uh, but she hadn't seen her sister or siblings uh, or uh, son or daughter for 12, 13 years. Uh, so that uh, reunion with the crockpots and the tears uh, uh -huh. was a real one. And that family was like, we'll give you one more chance. That's the way we can do. Mm -hmm. And those people don't burn that, that last chance. Uh, they step up to the plate. They are so thrilled they have their life back that they're clean. Now, uh, Scott, I know that you folks at Ace Band are just glowing proud of this homeless service center. Um, first in the nation, a unique model. I, I was up in Cambridge, uh, Mass., um, talking to some folks there, they're city planners, and they said, yeah, everyone's coming to Arlington County to see this model and to learn how this is working. Take a minute and tell us about uh, what's so amazing about the Homeless Service Center, and then Amanda, jump in here and tell us how people can start volunteering. Well, and I'm glad you got to uh, see the Homeless Service Center firsthand. I love to show it off because it shows so much more than what people perceive we do, which is shelter. The, the center itself, it is a resource center. It is a resource center for the community at large. 
It's a 24-7, 365 center. Uh, there is something always going on at ASPAN. Uh, yes, indeed, we do have a day program. We have a medical respite program with health services and a health suite. We serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Uh, along with the case managers, we partner with some of our local Arlington uh, groups like uh, Treatment on Wheels uh, to work with folks who need uh, emotional or substance abuse help, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, but really what the new Homeless Service Center allows us to do is really bring all of our programs and services that we offer all under one roof. The entire staff is there, all the programs are there, and that is what is key to streamlining that process, that timeline between homelessness and a home. Yeah, the energy in that place is incredible, and it is really a, an awesome, uh, awesome uh, place to visit. Amanda, how can people uh, get involved? There's, you know, there's stuff you guys need every day there at the Homeless Service Center, but also people can bring their own sort of unique talents. And if they got an idea for a way to volunteer, you guys are pretty open-minded to that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for any new volunteers, we do have them first attend an orientation at the center. So they get a feel for where it is and what it looks like inside before they come to start volunteering and just give them a chance to learn about what opportunities we have there. Um, you know, Scott mentioned we serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So obviously meal serving opportunities are a big one for us. Um, we also we have a chef there as well as a kitchen assistant. And sometimes they need help in the kitchen. So that's another option for, for volunteers. Um, assisting our staff, whether it's the day program or the shelter program, uh, we get a lot of donations. And we need people to help us organize and sort those donations, whether it's clothing or toiletries or, you know, even food donations sometimes as well. Um, and then we've got a classroom there at the center, which is really great. It's something we've never had before. We moved to this uh, homeless services center and it really allows us to offer programs and classes and, and skill skills-based things to our clients that they've never had the opportunity to do before. Um, for example, we have a volunteer who's a certified yoga instructor. She comes in every week and leads a yoga class for anyone who wants to join. We've got a gentleman who, you know, he's in med school right now. He's really great with computers. He teaches a basic computer skills class every Monday. Um, we've got some laptops available to our clients so they can learn, you know, how to use Microsoft Word, how to use email, how to use the internet. Uh, just simple things that that we take for granted because we just know these things, but these people maybe haven't had the chance to learn. Um, so these volunteers came to me and said, well, I have this skill. And I'm like, great, let's work it out. So uh, so yeah, we have that ability. If somebody has a skill they think they could offer that, that would be helpful, um, we can work something out with them. Yeah, so if someone's a teacher, for example, that comes to mind, or, or maybe you uh, work in finance and, and uh, you know, as people are getting on their own feet, you know, they've got to learn to manage a a budget. I mean, uh, Scott, one of the things you said was that, you know, 20 to 30 percent of the income, once folks are housed, goes towards the housing payments. It, it is affordable housing, but, you know, and I, when you said that, I told my wife, I said, geez, we don't pay 20 to 30 percent of our income to our mortgage. So think about the commitment that is for people to put, you know, 30 percent of their Medicare or Social Security or whatever benefits they're getting into that housing. It means a lot to them. Um, and, and certainly, you know, if, if people have these talents in various areas, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of room at the Homeless Service Center for new classes, for new opportunities for people to get involved. So we talked a bit about things people could do, and it sounds like you guys are willing to, you know, have skill, will tailor 
opportunity. Let mm-hmm. people, you know, just come on in and, and build relationships and help people. Um, and we talked about some of the myths we dispelled. What would you like to tell the listening audience, whether it's about the homeless in general or just any sort of a call to action to get people to kind of get up off the couch, step forward, and start getting involved, whether it's just in general serving others or specifically with the homeless? Uh, Well, one thing, you know, with the holidays coming up, we get a lot of people who are calling and saying, oh, I want to volunteer. I want to donate something. People are just kind of thinking about doing great things around the holiday time. But uh, one thing that, you know, we really want people to be aware of is that we are a 24-7 year-round center, and we do need help all year long. So even in those summer months, um, you know, when people maybe aren't really thinking about a homeless shelter or a homeless services center, you know, we're still serving dinner every day. We're still, we still have our day program open every single day. So we really can use that volunteer help all year long. Uh, and that that's kind of a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how you know, there was a mom who came to you and said that they brings her children and that's okay if it's supervised. Um, yes. And this is sort of their new Friday night out. Is yeah. that they're gonna come and help at the Homeless Service Center. And what a great example that is for uh, for families, right, to come and do a charitable act like that, uh, you know, as opposed to maybe just a movie night every Friday or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple families um, and a few opportunities that are appropriate, you know, as long as the parents are there, uh, minors are allowed to participate. And, you know, sometimes uh, the other day, actually, I had someone email me and say, oh, my son for his birthday this year, he wanted people to make donations to Ace Band rather than give him a birthday gift. So even things like that, um, you know, it resonates with the kids, and, and they like to get involved, too. We're coming early and serving breakfast. I mean, I was at the gym this morning, and, you know, the place is full of, uh, you know, millennials in there, or, you know, people even my, as old as, as me, and they're 530 in the morning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, you know, I thought, hey, you know, give up one one workout a week and, and go uh, do something that will really charge your soul and, and your, your mind and your body. Go uh, serve breakfast, you know, at, at uh, the Homeless Service Center. What a great way to start the day. And, and who gets more out of that, the, the client or you, Ed? Uh, it's a tough call. Uh, the clients are so appreciative. They say thank you and help clean up and are just all smiles. Uh, the kids uh, with their parents or yourself walking out, just the feel of, wow, I really helped someone in my community. Uh, it, it, it's a win-win for everybody, absolutely. So, so is that your call to action or do you have something else that you'd like to add? That's probably the biggest thing right now. Um, you know, holidays are coming up, so we uh, we do have like wish lists from our clients. Um, so if any, you know, if people are interested in sponsoring them, they can get in touch with me. Um, I've had a bunch of people emailing me about that, like I want to buy gifts for people or I want to provide something. Um, so that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now over the next couple of weeks. And I'm thinking, especially at the Homeless Services Center, daytime volunteer help is is it is so needed. Uh, people are busy in Arlington. People have maybe more than one job. Husbands and wives are, are both working. Uh, and that, that daytime help, you know, when we are a 24-7 facility, we do need help during the day to serve lunch or in the afternoon with the chef uh, or sorting mail at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's not always just a weekend or evening type volunteer mm-hmm. opportunity. Those type uh, slots are, are, are were, were blessed because we have such a wide network of volunteers who support us, but not necessarily always in those off months, like Amanda said, in the summer or during the daytime when we really need that help. Because if we don't have that volunteer help, we're pulling staff off a critical position to do something that probably could be a great volunteer opportunity. 
Well, guys, listen, thanks so much for joining us. I, I, I want to cut short a little bit here because Sal wanted me to talk a little bit about um, uh, our friend Milton Brown. We mentioned him all the time. He was a drug addict for 37 years and homeless for four years, and he came out of that condition um, four or five years ago. And, and the key was relationship. And, and I was reminded by a friend of mine today that there was a guy named Nate who went down to Union uh, Station every Saturday, and out of his own pocket, he paid for lunch for tens of homeless people every week. He shared the gospel with him. He was a man of faith. And he eventually wound up taking Milton into his house. And that's how Milton got off the streets and got working. And Milton, up until recently, was working a nighttime job, night shift, cleaning floors, doing whatever it was. And and he felt so good about having his own place and having the dignity of working. And, and he's been, it's been a struggle. It's not been easy, but, but the key here was really relationships and people stepping forward and really caring enough for him. And he and I have talked uh, almost every Saturday now and prayed together for the last seven months, and I, I consider him a dear, dear friend. And uh, a piece of great news, he got a job which more than doubled his salary recently, and he's working now uh, overnight at a, at a drug clinic um, uh, with patients. And I'm very happy at that. And, so, and I think the key there, as you said, are relationships and hope. And this is an example of a man's story who, you know, even after 34 years of, of having issues, is now living on his own, has, has his life back together, is trying to build relationships with his family. Th- this is real, and this can happen. And Ed and I have been in, had a front seat, uh, thankfully, with Milton Brown, who's just an amazing person. You need to see his TED Talk he did for Georgetown University, if you have not. Ed, who, who do we have uh, next week on the show? Next week, we've got Kelly Leonard, who is the CEO of Taylor Leonard Corporation, and she's going to come talk with us about work and higher purpose, which should be really interesting, something we wanted to talk about for a while on the show. So if you want to uh, follow up with Scott and Amanda, visit their website at a-span.org. Uh, they're on Facebook at a, or, or Twitter rather at aspanlink. Um, for more information on them, visit their website, or you can reach them on Facebook or Twitter. All right, this is Edmund South signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night, and be sure to tune into Grace. Grace.